Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 3. That's going to be, that's going to be kind of the, uh, the, the arena that we're in this morning, so I just want to get you there. Uh, we're going to refer to different uh, verses in that Gospel, in the Gospel of John chapter 3. I'm um, going to pray and get right into it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for what you uh, did in the earlier service, but we thank you what you did here, what you're doing here right now. Uh, we know, Lord, that uh, it is your desire to touch your people. Uh, you've given us our mission, Lord, to lead people to the cross so that Jesus Christ becomes the center of their lives. And Lord, uh, part of that, having Jesus as the, at the center, is really having a good foundation and recognizing uh, the power in the Word of God, uh, the power in, in even the seasons that we have been through uh, because of your Holy Spirit and because of life, that, Lord, you ne like we say, we, you never leave us and you never forsake us. And so, Lord, this morning, we just yield our hearts to you. We ask, God, that you would just kind of, uh, as we talk about what you've given us this morning, that you would just kind of give us an open ear uh, and an open eye, Lord, to, uh, to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, uh, to be encouraged this morning that uh, Lord, the foundation that's been laid to, to make sure that it's good, that it's solid, uh, but that, Lord, we, we would worship you in every season of life and recognize uh, that, God, you are good, you are good, you are good. And so, Lord, touch every life. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen, amen. So in the earlier service, uh, we had a, a, a testimony time like we like to every once in a while. And uh, I just felt uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, was sharing about different seasons of life that we are in. I love uh, that we are a multi-generational church. Uh, there are times uh, when I have been to different churches where uh, it feels like if you're in a, a certain age bracket that you don't seem to feel as included. And I've heard that from people that uh, go to different churches that I feel like um, people that maybe have been there for a long time, they share and they feel like, man, I, that for 20 years I attended there and there's a lot of transition happening and it just doesn't feel like my church. And there's so much that can be said about that. Uh, but what I want to draw out from that is that in different seasons of life, uh, God deals with, with us differently, right? There are times when God will move us from, uh, from one place to another, and I love it when God does it. Whatever you do, don't, don't ever get ahead of God. Amen? Uh, how many of you could say amen to that? <laughs> don't ever get ahead of Pastor Freddie, I wrote the book on that one. Uh, I could probably share a few stories. Don't ever get ahead of God uh, because God in every season is trying to instruct us. He's trying to remind us of his goodness. Uh, he, he's teaching us. We learn from one another. Did you know that? We learn from one another. So I love having seniors. I love having, having young people. I love having um, middle-aged folks. I guess I'm middle-aged, kind of getting up there. Um, but I love having every age bracket that um, people can share their stories. They can share their testimonies. They can share a, a scripture that meant something to them powerfully uh, and that it touched and that it changed their life. And, and so this morning, I want to talk about one that's familiar to all of us. Uh, many of us can probably quote it, and I, I won't get too far ahead of myself. I want to get right into it uh, this morning, that in 2007, Max Lucado released a book entitled 316. And so the entire book focused on just one single verse from the Bible, uh, and it goes without saying that the, that verse, John 3.16, is probably the most well-known verse 
in the Bible. I want you to put your thinking caps on this morning. I don't know if you can think back this far, but I want you to think about maybe if you can recall, if you can even recall, the first time you heard that. The first time you heard John 3, 16. See, the truth is preschoolers can recite it. Football fans can paint it boldly on placards or on cardboard signs or even on men's chests, right? Uh, it's short enough to write on a napkin or to memorize in a moment and yet solid enough to withstand over 2,000 years of storms and questions. John 3.16 begins with God, ends with life, and urges us to do the same. And listen, to the effect that this verse has had on people's lives, I want to speak to that this morning the, uh, and call it the 316 effect. The 316 effect. Christian singer Mac Powell said, I love John 316 because the God, it, it is the gospel in a nutshell, he said. It shares God's great love for us and our great need for him. How many of you still need the Lord this morning? I know I, I need him every day. I'll never be ashamed to say that I need him. Uh, Ernie Johnson, a national sportscaster, said, John 3.16 is the foundation of my faith, a picture of undeserved, unconditional, unwavering love from a father to his kids. You're one of God's kids this morning. In John 3.16, God wrote that for you. Uh, even while you were in your sin, even while your life was messed up, even when you were in a season where you were broken and it looked like everything was done with you, uh, you didn't think there was any way up, uh, you, like the old country song, were looking for love in all the wrong places and, and filling all kinds of voids in your life with things that never satisfied. But John 3.16, when God used it to touch your life, He brought you into an awareness that he, had a, he, he has an unconditional love for you, that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what people have said about you or how many people have thrown in the towel and given up on you. God never gives up on his children. We've got a good, good father. Ann Graham Lotz, daughter of Billy Graham, said of John 3.16 that it is the North Star of the Bible. If you align your life with it, you can always find your way home. It's been said that if you know nothing about the Bible, begin there. And if you know everything about the Bible, return there. John 3.16 is, like the, is like the hope diamond of Scripture. But before we get to that verse uh, uh, 3.16, I want to set the stage a little bit this morning, give you some context some of you may recall it, that it all began with a silent figure moving quietly and carefully through the darkened streets of Jerusalem. In John 3, 1, we find that Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees, or we know that the Pharisees were the religious elite, right? Who they, they militantly rejected Jesus Christ. And, and so when he, Nicodemus, when he decided to seek Christ out and learn from him, he had to do it discreetly. He had to be careful. Slipping through alleyways and dimly lit streets, Nicodemus finds his way to a very simple house where Jesus and his followers are staying. And then we pick up in John chapter 3, verse 2. Let's go there. The Bible says that after dark one evening, Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Then in verse 3, and without hesitation, 
Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, verily, verily, that's right, unless you are what? Born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Listen, I'm not exactly sure what was on Nicodemus' mind that night, but it's clear what was on Jesus' mind. And Christ's timeless explanation about salvation reaches its climax right at John 3.16. Let's go there. The timeless scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Listen, in this one verse we see the whole gospel of Jesus Christ and how it relates to us. And really this morning, I want to take us on a little bit of a journey to to look at the beautiful intricacies of this verse. It's very simple. It's very plain, but I never, ever want to forget it. I never, ever want to forget it. And so the first thing I want to look at is the very fact that he loves. A, he loves. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life where you didn't feel loved. I don't know if you've been around people who have gone out of their way to make you feel less than loved. And listen, in, in my life, I, I, I know that, you know, growing up, the, the child of alcoholics and, and being through, I knew that my parents loved me, but they didn't always show it. They didn't always show it the right way. And, and in, in those seasons, I remember wondering if I was really ever loved. But the reality of the scripture and the reality of our personal God is that God so loved the world God so loved the whosoevers. And listen, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad to be a whosoever. I'm so glad that in that season of life when I didn't see much in myself, when I didn't see what the future held, when I never saw, never, never ever saw myself ever being in front of any size of a group of people doing this. I I say that a lot because I'm still awed by the, the calling of God and by the gifts of God. He did it all because of his love. And listen, you're here this morning because of his love. He loves. Imagine what the world would be like without God's love. A dark planet hurling through space, unguided, undirected, with no hope, no future, nothing to live for, no greater purpose to our existence. Every death would be an end. And every grave would be a place of despair. But God does love the world. We see it in every sunrise, we see it in every blade of grass, we see it in every fountain of water, every birth, every child's face. God so loved the world. This morning I want you to fill in the blank with your name. God so loved Brian, and God so loved Ed, and God so loved Anna, and God so loved Ocean. He loves us. We See it in every sunrise and every blade of grass. Like we said, listen, back in the 90s, we used to watch a Christian cartoon called VeggieTales. Anybody remember VeggieTales? Some of you might own the VHS tape. And others of you are saying, what's a VHS tape? Some of you might have it on on, on DVD. Uh, Listen, uh, uh, in case you missed it, VeggieTales was a a show with computer animated vegetables that told Bible stories. You know, Sunday morning values with Saturday morning fun is what it was. And at at the end of every episode, Bob, let me test you. Anybody remember which one Bob was? 
Bob the Tomato used to say, remember kids, God made you special and he loves you very much. Isn't that still the message of John 3.16? Isn't that the message that our world still needs to hear? Yes, God made you special and he loves you very much. In fact, it's, it's a message that George Matheson needed to hear. He was only 15 years old when he was told that he was losing what little eyesight he had left. Imagine going blind this morning, what that would mean to you in your life. And, and listen, not to be denied, Matheson continued with plans to enroll in college, and he was determined to, to, to get, get to his graduation, and he did in 1860, 1861 by the age of 19. And by the time he graduated his studies, he was completely blind. So blind at 19 years old. His spirit didn't collapse, though, until his fiancée returned his engagement ring. See, to add insult to injury, she said she couldn't see herself spending her life bound by the chains of marriage to a blind man. And so he adapted his life to his life without sight, but he never recovered from his broken heart. Years later, as a well-loved pastor in Scotland, George's sister came to him announcing her engagement. And listen, he was very happy for her, but his mind went back to his own heartache. He consoled himself by thinking of, of God's love, which is never limited, never conditional, never withdrawn, never uncertain. And out of this experience, he penned these words, O oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths it flow, may richer, fuller be. Romans 8, 30, 38 and 39 says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither fears of today, nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. In verse 39, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. In another of Max Lucado's book, he writes, if God had a refrigerator your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. Listen, he sends flowers to you every spring and sunrise to you every morning. And whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and yet he chose to live in your heart. John 3.16 tells us that God loves us. And because he loves we know that letter B, that he gives. He loves and he gives. John 3, 16, uh, Jesus told Nicodemus and he tells us today, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Listen, just to say those words, I love you, in our culture today especially, it doesn't mean a whole lot because words are cheap. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a relationship and somebody told you they loved you to the end, they, they loved you forever, and, and they skipped. They bailed on you. 
At the, at the first turn, when times got rough, when things got messed up, uh, they decided, you know, those words were good for that moment, but right now, no, so, not so much. And so words are cheap, but the real love, agape love, the love in John 3.16 is that love that's a verb. Listen, I'm not an English major, but I'll tell you one thing, that love being a verb tells me that it's an action. It has to be tangibly demonstrated. It has to be proven with action. And God's love is no exception. Romans 5, 8 says, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in your worst moment, when you were ashamed, you wouldn't even want to take anyone back to that day or to that time or to that season. In your worst moment, his love was there for you. You had a heavenly father that was right there just waiting for you to extend your arms to, to receive his open arms, to, to, to be willing to, to enter in. And listen, I know that that might sound strange to some people. Uh, so, so many people in the world, they respect the teaching, teachings of Jesus and they admire his great example. They think he's a, just a great religious man, but no matter how they think on it, they can't quite see any significance in his death or in this resurrection that we just celebrated. One man even said, that's the crazy easiest thing I've ever heard. I don't need God to give anyone to me or for me. He exclaimed, I've lived a good life, held a good job. People respect me. My wife even loves me. I don't need God to give me his son. Are we really as good as we think we are? I mean, let's, let's uh, you know, see how well we score against God's basic laws, the Ten Commandments. We, number one, that you should not steal. Anyone ever stolen anything? And I know some people will say, no, I haven't gone into a bank, Pastor Freddie, and I haven't taken, you know, that from there. But, you know, maybe a paperclip or a penny or a dime or a nickel that didn't belong to you. And if you did that, well, this morning that makes you a thief. Seriously? That's heavy. You must not lie. Anybody ever lie? And if you say you never have, you just did. <laughs> you shall not take the, the Lord's name in vain. Ever let God's name slip past your lips in anger or in frustration? The Bible calls that blasphemy. And number four, you shall not commit adultery. Now listen, I know many would say, Pastor Freddie, I've, I've never crossed that line before you excuse yourself. Don't forget, Jesus said that if, if you so much as looked at a woman with lust or a man with lust, you have committed adultery, where? In your heart. That's just four out of the ten. We could go on and on, but I don't want to look any more foolish or anyone to think that, you know, this is a, a target practice for you this morning. Most sincere people, if they're really honest, when you're alone at night with your, with your thoughts, we know that we're really not all that good. We all have regrets. We've all made mistakes. The Bible calls that sin. Romans 3.23 says that everyone has sinned. Say everyone. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And so we know that our sin separates us from God. Uh, that's where Jesus comes in. And, the fact, and that fact that we just celebrated it on Good Friday. See, Jesus built the bridge to God through the old rugged cross. Because he loves, he gave. God gave himself. In fact, 
He gave Jesus to bring salvation to the world through his death. You've heard me say this before, that we are the most like God when we give and we're generous. And I know that as parents, when our kids misbehave, we might joke about giving them away for a day or a week, but I could never imagine giving one of my son's lives to be hung on a cross, to be tortured, to go all that Jesus go through all that Jesus went through. But listen, God didn't pull a prank on us when he, when he gave us Jesus. And he wasn't laughing when his son was being nailed to a cross for our sins and our failures. He gave because he loved. He loved and then he gave. And as a result, you and I, let her see, we can believe. We can believe. So Jesus said, God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Now listen, this concept still blows our, our minds and yet it's so simple. And see, the truth is we expect a more complicated cure for our sin and then even more sophisticated salvation. But it's simple. And I'm, I'm glad it's simple. I don't know about you. No other religion offers what Jesus promises. I mean, Ju Ju Judaism sees salvation as a, a judgment day decision based on their morality. And Buddhism grades your life according to the four noble truths and eightfold path. And Muslims earn their way to Allah, Allah by performing the duties of the, uh, the five pillars of the faith, but not Christianity. See, Jesus, he calls us to do one thing. Believe. Believe. We Believe. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, called, to become the children of God. John 3.18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And who, who does, he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Listen, don't get me wrong. This belief in Christ will also lead you to serve him because the Bible says that faith without works is what? It's dead, but don't, don't get it twisted. We do nothing, absolutely nothing to earn our salvation. The Bible says that it's a gift that, that we can receive by believing in Christ. It never gets old, does it? It never gets old. Listen, through Christ alone, we get all of his blessings and we, got, we get all of his benefits. And listen, once upon a time, there, there lived an elderly man whose one and only son preceded him in death. The man was very, very wealthy, but because he had no living heirs, his estate was publicly auctioned off when he died. And so people came from, from hundreds of miles away uh, to bid on all of the wonderful antiques and, and riches that were proudly displayed in the courtyard of the manor. And the first item up for bid was a childlike portrait of the rich man's son. So, of course, no, nobody bid on it. I don't know who goes to a yard sale or an estate sale and says, Oh, I want that picture of that person who may or may not be alive or dead. I don't know too many people who would do it, and so nobody bid on it. Now the attendants, they, they kind of got restless and, and anxious that, that no one would be able to get to bid on the real family treasures, and, but the auctioneer would not proceed to any other items until the painting was sold. And finally, a sweet young mother bid on the painting, and, and she had worked in the manor as a maiden uh, for a little while, and so she knew much, a little bit about the boy and, and what the boy meant to his father. And suddenly, the auctioneer threw down his gavel, 
and announced that the auction was now over. And then he walked over to this woman and gave her the painting and told her that everything that she now saw belonged to her. See, the elderly man, he left specific instructions that whoever buys the painting of his son gets it all. God has basically done the same thing for us. 1 John 5, 12 says, whoever has the son of life, whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Max Lucado wrote, God rewards those who seek him, not those who seek doctrine or religion or systems or creeds. Many settle for these lesser passions, but the reward goes to those who settle for nothing less than Jesus Christ himself. So God loves, he gives, and the reward once we believe is the fact that you and I get to live. We get to live. We get life, life, and more life. Remember John 3.16 said, Whoever believes in him, Jesus said, shall not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. And although people sometimes imagine spending eternity in the clouds, uh, floating around and, and strumming harps without ceasing, that's not really a, a, a biblical picture of heaven. See, in Revelation 21 and 22, the Bible describes heaven as a place that will have rivers and trees and cities and buildings and gates and streets and mountains and houses. And although its glory will be beyond description, its essential components will be almost the same as what we find here on earth. And so paradise lost will be paradise restored. Isaiah 65, 17 says that God declared, look, I will make a new heavens and a new earth. And so God's plan for the earth is, is not to destroy it, but to redeem it, to renew it, to restore it to the perfect paradise that it was before the fall and before sin entered the world and corrupted it. Although the full glory of heaven will be beyond description, we are certainly capable of imagining a better world, a world of beauty and grandeur, a paradise as God intended it to be, but that's not all. One of the greatest blessings of heaven will actually be some of the things that won't be there. In his book, Heaven, Randy Alcorn uh, responds to that question, what won't be in heaven? And so he wrote, no death and no suffering, no funeral homes, no abortion clinics, no psych wards, no rape, no missing children, no drug rehabs, no bigotry, no muggings or killings, no worry or depression. No economic downturns, no wars, no unemployment. Close friendships, but no clicks. Laughter, but no put-downs. Intimacy, but no temptation to immorality. No hidden agendas, no backroom deals, no betrayals. What a wonderful world to look forward to. But there's still more. The Bible says that when Jesus comes riding on the clouds, those who have died believing in Christ will rise and after the resurrection will be given new bodies and so indestructible honorable glorious powerful those are the words that describe what our new bodies will be like in this life we get old we get tired our bodies won't do what they used to do but in eternity 
In eternity, listen, in eternity, you're going to run faster. You're going to jump higher. You're going to play harder. You're going to worship with radiance. And guess what? We'll never, ever get tired. I got a new puppy that every once in a while, after he's run around in circles a thousand times, he'll sit and pant heavily so you can, listen, you hear, you can hear him way across the house. And I think, okay, he's done. That's awesome. And then he gets his second wind. And then he goes again and again. And it's usually at 10 o'clock at night. Listen, you and I are going to be in heaven one day with Jesus all around us and the Holy Spirit all around us. And we're going to go and go and go. And we will never get weary again. And we will never feel broken again. And we will never feel messed up again. Not only will Christ coming inaugurate our resurrection, but it's going to initiate our reunion. Imagine reuniting with family and friends that have gone before us. Imagine greeting your great-great-grandmother or holding the hands of a, a dear loved one who was uh, laid to rest. Most importantly, all will be reunited with our Creator and our Savior. Yes, the, the most amazing thing in heaven will be our intimate relationship with our Maker and our Redeemer. Worship team, come. In heaven, Revelation 21.3 says, Now God's presence is with his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. Listen, we won't have to be drawn into God's presence anymore. We will live there constantly consciously see our restored relationship with God will offer infinite possibilities and to top it all off the more we come to know him the more will there will be to know Jesus will spend eternity revealing to us and revealing to us why he is all the wonderful things that he is and we will want to worship him even more and even more but listen the awesome news for you and I today is that if we believe in Christ we can begin to experience that eternal life right now. Wait a minute, Pastor Freddie, I'm not dead. What are you talking about? I can experience it right now. Ephesians 2.6 says that at salvation, God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3 says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And then, of course, we know that Jesus went, but before he went, he promised that he was going to send who? The Holy Spirit to teach us all things, to guide us, to counsel us, to comfort us. And, and so what we need to begin experiencing is that life that we can have in him right now. The wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives us to surrender daily to God and, and to obey his word. Again, as followers of Christ, we are called to live empowered lives led by the Holy Spirit, producing fruit in our lives that lets the world around you know that you belong to Jesus. Listen, while it's true that, that one day God will make his eternal life fully visible for all creation to see, we don't have to wait till then to begin to experience eternal life right now. See, everything starts to change when God's Spirit begins to open your eyes to see the hope and the belonging 
and the unconditional love and the power of God. And so, listen, you and I have a challenge today to live boldly for Jesus right now. Let's desire more than ever to, to see the will of God done here on earth as it is in heaven. And through our time here on earth, and though our time here on earth is temporary, let's be salt and light for Jesus Christ to win souls for the kingdom here on earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Would you stand to your feet? And so he loves, he gives, we believe, and we live. It really is that simple. Apart from him we die, with him we live like never before. Choose life, choose Jesus. Share that choice with others. That's the 316 effect. And it never gets old. Father, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for foundations. And that, Lord, you are here with us. And that, Lord, we can recall where we were when we met Jesus. That, Lord, we have been through some seasons in life when, uh, Lord, we didn't think we could make it. But because of Jesus, we're still here. We're still breathing. We're, we're still moving. And so I just pray, Father, that you would just have your way. Lord, that you would continue to draw us closer to you. That, Lord, we would not be wasting our life away, wasting our days away, thinking about what it will be like one day in heaven and, and all the blessings that we will one day have in heaven because, Lord, you've called us and you've desired for us to begin experiencing them, experiencing them here and now. And so, Lord, we say yes. We say yes to Jesus. We say yes to his blessings. We say yes to his benefits. Help us to live for you, God. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. One last bit of worship before we dismiss.